Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. I have Charlie Watson joining me on the podcast today. Uh, Charlie, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. The last time we were together feels like a lifetime ago mm-hmm. down in Atlanta in that um, in that party house. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good time. I feel like I would have hugged 10,000 t- more people <laughs> if I'd known what was coming. <laughs> I think I did hug 10,000 people and yeah, I would have I would have added another 10,000 had I had I known what was around the corner for sure. Yeah, that was a fun weekend. It's, I'm glad that like one of the last weekends where I was able to see people was really fun and really worth it um, because it is it's nice to look back on that memory of, um, yeah, the party house, the, um, the barbecue and the um, British miscommunication where I thought we were going to go outside and have burgers and sausages, but actually <laughs> barbecue food is not that. <laughs> And yeah, so it's like a great race weekend. <laughs> so I figured we were going to have a, so for context here, we had a house um, in Atlanta for the Olympic trials and it was, it was in a very large church um, that was actually on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And so we figured that in Atlanta, it would be warm enough to have a barbecue outside. Um, but the, the interpretation of barbecue was like Southern food and um, like barbecue food, not, not having a barbecue. So yes, a little lost in communication there, um, but also uh, lost in the fact that it was 35 or 40 degrees instead of 65 plus. Um, Yes, that was a good time. Um, So before we, before we dive too far into it, um, a question for you is who is Charlie? So I knew, I obviously listened to your podcast and I knew this was coming and I've been like practicing. You're delaying it as long as possible. Yeah. Um, So I am a registered dietitian, clinical registered dietitian. So working in a hospital right now. I'm a new dog owner um, and I want to say runner. I was thinking about this on my drive home today. I am a runner, but right now I don't really feel like one. Um, yeah. And world traveler is also, I like to have in my bio because that's what I aspire to be. So you run a lot, you run a handful of marathons, but you don't consider yourself a runner. So not or at least right, right now. Yeah. So I think, so yeah, up until maybe six months ago, I definitely would be like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent a runner. I've run 13 marathons. I have run thousands of miles across the globe but right now I'm struggling to run my 5k I um and I've just given myself permission to run when I want to and not when I don't or don't have the energy or just want to go for a walk instead so right now I don't feel like a runner but I one of my goals for 2021 is to find that in me again and to um give myself a goal in running next year to to work towards because I feel like I've lost part of myself by losing this runner within me and I don't feel fully me anymore um I don't know if that makes sense but I feel like this pandemic has taken so much from so many of us and from for me it's taken a lot of my energy and um, both kind of physical and mental and I want to to kind of get it back and take back control of at least one area in my life. And I'm hoping that running is the area that I can um, kind of put some 
hard work into and and reap the rewards yeah i think that makes sense um a mutual friend of ours mary johnson calls this a season of life mm-hmm. and and motivation can wax and wane and in, in different um seasons but i think uh you know it hopefully it'll come back um but but you're working in a hospital during COVID time. So I feel like uh, you get to give yourself a little, a little grace there. Yeah. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I feel like I have given myself maybe a little bit too much grace and, and now it's time to be like, come on, you know, the way you feel your best self is by having running and fitness as part of your routine. Um, so kind of need to stop eating all the chocolate donations that have been <laughs> given to us. Um, Easter and Christmas are a really good and really bad time to have worked at the hospital because, yeah, we've got so many donations. But, um, yeah, I feel like that I need to find a better balance for me because at the moment I'm just giving all of my energy to work and not saving enough for myself. Do you think you would be in a worse place if you tried to push through and, and, you know, did your 5k or 10k every, every day anyways? I, I honestly don't know. And I'm going to give it a go and see, and, you know, be really <laughs> honest with myself and, and, you know, to just take it day by day, week by week. I mean, I'm sure you watched the, uh, the marathon project last week, yeah. last week, week before last. And you know, I've listened to basically every podcast that um, Marty has been on and been like, gosh, if you can balance all of that, if you've <laughs> been on the ITU, then then I can find a better balance for myself. So, yeah, I guess we'll kind of kind of see how that plays out in the first couple of months as I base build again in um, in January, February next year. Yeah, I, I could go either way on it. I feel like part of it is... Um honoring your body and listening to the you know what it's telling you which is i don't have it in me to run right now and then the other half the other side of that coin is um that's your time that's you and it makes you your happiest version of yourself so you know make it a make it a non-negotiable and and i go back and forth at times on like where i stand on that personally and i just sort of listen to um listen to the cues that I'm getting from my brain and my body and all that stuff. Um, and also my coach and, and sometimes he'll push me through it and other times he'll pull back and say, okay, we're not going to run. Um, it's like, I just, I just took almost a full week off just cause I like hit a wall uh, mm-hmm. in life and running and whatever. And I ran today and you know, it felt amazing. I'm like, great, we're back. This is good. <laughs> it was like yeah. four days off, but um, I think the point is, the point is like sometimes you just have to experiment and see what happens, and and then sometimes you know you got to carve that time out and and set yourself up to to be happy or the happiest version of yourself. Definitely, I think you know this idea that our body always knows best. Like my body, probably up to you know to a, its detriment would take me to like the McDonald's drive-through more often than is actually good for me (laughs) my mental health or my you know wallet um I sometimes think that you know you can train your body to set to to want certain things and almost like I know that I eat better when I'm running more and then I sleep better when I'm running more and so I kind of think of this as like a when I control one, one aspect the rest of my body goes with it and then takes what it needs I don't know whether that makes sense, but definitely I, I'm not one of those people that is like, Oh, I just really crave this salad very often. I'm like, if I didn't make smart choices all the time, my body would choose the like chicken nuggets. And this is coming from my dietitian. I, yeah, hands, hands up. I didn't have the, uh, the best diet when I was younger, but I think that almost teaching teaching your body and letting it um kind of develop um I don't know what where I'm going with this but letting it develop kind of um a right if I eat this and I feel good if I do this then I feel good and like a a pattern and a routine with that is how I know that I feel 
and perform at my best. So it's kind of sometimes my body needs an override switch to be like, choose this, you will feel better. (laughs) I feel like once you get in, sometimes you do have to override it, but once you get back into that groove, then it becomes like clockwork or like, you know, just just, uh, back back in the groove. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to hopefully being back there at some point next year. And I'm sure that we all are hoping that we can be back in our somewhat normal lives next year. Yes. I feel like I've seen you in at at like a a bunch of different races um, all across the country. So definitely hoping to to run into you again at some point once, uh, once the races come back online. But um, do you remember, so switching gears a little bit, do you remember your first run and what got you into the sport initially? Um, yes, it was awful. I um, <laughs> I had actually already signed up for the London Marathon. Well, well you're I, another one of those. Yeah. Awesome. So I had signed up for the London Marathon and I got a call from the charity that I had like registered to run with. And they were like, you've got a place. How's your training going? And I was like, great. <laughs> it's going really great. Um yeah, so then I went out for a run that that afternoon. And, and that was your first run? So, I mean, I ran at school, like not properly. Yeah, yeah. I ran Got as it. part of hockey and I played field hockey at school and netball and I had to do athletics at school, but I never ran for fitness for or enjoyment. Yeah. It was all as part of an organized school event. Um I mean, the first run I really, really remember is having to run at, I went to an all girls boarding school and we had to run at the 1500 and we had these athletics pants things that you had to put on under your tracksuit bottoms. And I got down to the field and realized I had forgotten to put those on. So all I had was my underwear and my teacher made me run it in my pink underwear 1500 meters around the track it was awful (laughs) and so and so you so the first race you signed up for was a marathon it sounds like yeah yeah and so why did why did you do that so I wanted to do something huge in memory of one of my friends that I lost at uni and I was not a runner. I was not into fitness. I was definitely more of a party girl at university. So that seemed way out of my comfort zone, something that people might sponsor me to do to raise money for a mental health charity and something that I thought my friend would be would have been really proud of me for doing. And it was it was a way to channel my grief. I didn't really know how to deal with it. So having something to focus on to get up, you know, three, four times a week and go out and get the miles done and feel like I could channel my energy into that was was really beneficial for me and yeah it kind of it changed my life more than I I thought I'd be one and done tick the box get the kudos and then move on with my life well that didn't happen no. <laughs> so sometimes I think about that when I'm out and like a really wet disgusting miserable run and I'm like hmm Imagine if I hadn't ever done that. You know, there are people that sit inside when it rains instead yeah. of uh, instead of running. There and there are people that sleep in. Yeah, <laughs> go figure. So, um, so that was your first. What was what was it like crossing that finish line? It was an amazing feeling. It was. I ran it with one of my best friends. Um, London is. I'm from London. I grew up in London. It's like an iconic marathon, but it's my home marathon. And so I had so many friends along the course and finishing, I finished, our goal was sub five and we finished in 4.54 and I was so elated, but I also thought, I bet I could do that faster. And And so it begins. Exactly. And, and yeah, I just remember, I remember feeling I was broken and my feet were in bits. I was chafed I was like sore but that competitiveness was like hmm okay sub five is done like let's see what I could do next time and what was the second marathon that you signed up for so I think I've been a little bit spoiled with the marathons I've run I'm not gonna lie my second one was New York and yeah so I um, my friend's boyfriend at the time now husband had got a place and 
we were like, with 10 weeks to go, we were like, oh, should we just like buy, you know, get not charity, like a, it's um, a travel package place. We were like, should we just do that? And we'll go and we'll go and run it. And so my friend Zoe and I, with not, we were quite good. We had quite good bases, but um, yeah, with kind of 10 weeks specific marathon training, we went and I ran, ran New York. My now husband and his parents were there. My parents were there. And I just, I had so much fun and knocked like 45 minutes off my time. Didn't realize New York was that hilly. Cried as at mile like 22, that uphill just before you go into the park. And again, just thought, right, 4.09, I bet I could do better, better than that. And it just kept, you just kept shaving the time off. I mean, in an ideal world, yes, I did get faster, but no, it hasn't been, there have been some races that haven't gone to plan at all. Um, and there have been some that I've done, like I did the LA marathon totally for fun. I've run New York again, just to enjoy it with running with friends. So as much as I sound like I'm always about the time, I do enjoy running marathons for for the enjoyment of the, like the crowd and the getting to see a city and just being part of that atmosphere, which I think is unlike anything else. For sure. So uh, you mentioned, uh, and I've I've noticed you like to run in the rain and all sorts of conditions and whatnot. So let's say it's it's cold and dark and mm-hmm. and raining. Why are you getting out the door? Usually because I've told one of my friends to run with me and um, got to go and meet her. Um, but also because I think you just feel so good afterwards. I always feel so smart going into work when I've already posted my run on Instagram. My friend, my like colleagues are like, so have you already run this morning? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't always look maybe the most professional as of my like top knot, wet hair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I mean, I think there's just something it's just you and it's it's like you against the weather and whatever else you've got going on in life um that makes you just feel so good after a run even if you're a bit soggy definitely um yeah i think that um i think that the accountability is is huge particularly when it's nasty out and then the feeling you get you know coming back in from a run like that is um is great. I love it. Um, one of the things you mentioned about signing up for your first marathon, you were doing it for a mental health charity. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was, that was a while ago now. And we talk frequently about, um, mental health and the need to remove the stigma and, and all that stuff. Um, so where did your own personal interest in, um, talking about mental health come from, or, or was it, all in, uh, involved or did it did it begin with that marathon yeah so I mean so my friend that I lost at uni um sadly took his life after suffering from depression and I lived with him and I didn't know and and that was the hardest thing to get over was that I was I couldn't work out whether I was so wrapped up in my own student uni life that I didn't notice the signs or whether he just hit it really well. And I don't think I'll ever really know. But right. it was it was the fact that maybe he didn't feel like he could talk to me about this, or he didn't talk to anybody about it that, that got to me. And I just thought, you know, the statistics for male suicide and the male depression just absolutely horrifies me. And I, so I wanted to create this conversation. This was what 2011 2012 that I signed up for this marathon and did it for mine I wanted people to talk about it because people weren't talking about it even though we'd had this friend that had died and I just thought god if if that's not making you you know willing to open up about this what will because that is terrifying so yeah it started there and that was, you know, that's how I got into talking about mental health. It was about somebody else. And as the years have progressed, I've then found that I have learned more about my own mental health and have been more and more willing to share about it, to seek therapy, to to look after my mental health as a priority. 
Uh, and I think that that kind of using somebody else's story eased it in, eased me into being able to talk about my own. Yeah, I think uh, first that's awesome. And well, it's not awesome. It's, um, it's, it, it's an, it's an impactful way to, to become passionate about something mm-hmm. is one way to put it. Um, and I'm first, I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Um, and it's, it's always interesting to see what motivates people to, um, to talk about it. And, and I've found it to be fascinating when I talk about it, or particularly the first time I talked about seeing a therapist, just the number of people that said me too, I see one as well. Um, as you said, like everyone seems to be doing it and, and many, or not everyone, many people seem to be doing it and nobody until recently maybe mm-hmm. has been talking about it. And so I think it's people have felt that they can't talk about it or they don't want to talk about it or whatever. And that precludes other people from talking about it and maybe um, prevents other people from getting started on that journey. So um, it's great to see someone with a, with a platform like yours talking about it. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's, you're so right. It's something that, you know, you would never feel ashamed to say, I'm going to see a physio or I'm getting a right. massage or I'm, you'd ask a friend for a recommendation for that. But with therapy, it still feels like there's this this stigma attached to it and this, you know, you can't be like in your office. Oh, I'm going, especially not in the UK. I feel like it's like, oh, you can't really still talk about it. And it's only in the last few years that I've even spoken to some of my best friends about it and found out that other people are having therapy or recommended to, you know, suggested places they could find therapists and vice versa. So I'm glad that it's a conversation that people are having more, but I still think that in workplaces particularly, and maybe even even like, you know, families, I think it's my family is quite old school. And so I don't necessarily talk to all of my family about the fact that I see a therapist and have dealt with mental health issues. How does. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree on that. Um, it was Scott Fobble that said on the on this podcast, he's like he said the basically the same thing. Like if your if your leg breaks, you wouldn't think twice about going to see a doctor, or you know you go you go to see a doctor to make sure your body is fine. Why would you not go to see someone to make sure your brain is fine? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So how does running play into your own mental health? For me, running is, as we've said, it's like the me time. It's the escape. It's a way of challenging myself that's outside of a work environment that's like not based on, well, it is based on numbers, but it's kind of, you know, your success isn't based on other people. And it's, it's just a time to kind of get out into nature and to switch off, listen to a podcast or um, chat with a friend. And I think in the past I have made it too much about the performance. And so this year, especially I've used it as a release. And as I said, like I've run when I want to, and I haven't when I don't want to, I've done a lot of run walking because I just wanted, I didn't, I haven't worn a Garmin for or my watch. There are other brands available, obviously, but I wear a Garmin. Um, I haven't, I haven't worn one for a majority of my runs in the last six months because I just don't want to have any of that pressure. And so it's just a mental release, really. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to hear how people's relationships with running have evolved uh, in 2020, I was injured in, at the end of January and didn't run in February. And so my, my first runs back were basically like 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes during the, the start of the pandemic. (laughs) So 
the only time I was outside or the only time that I had control over my day was that, you know, 20 minute run, which became a 30 minute run and a run walk and this and that. Um, and then to hear other people talk through, you know, if they have kids at home and, and a spouse and all that stuff. And, you know, it's their, it's their quiet time. It's their, their peaceful time and whatnot. Um, it's been cool to hear how, how different people have, have used running in different ways um, to help them feel a little more in control in this time. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I used it in the summer. I got to, um, we made a kind of little run club at work and we would go out and do a little 5k at lunch. And that was amazing having that as like a kind of team building, but also as an escape from work for half an hour. And although one of the, one of the guys left and it's kind of petered out as the weather's got more disgusting. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a real escape in, you know, in different ways throughout the last year, whether that's a sunrise run that just sets you up for the day or a lunchtime run or a post-work. I'm saying post-work. I hardly ever run post-work. I'm just not a (laughs) runner unless I'm running with someone else. Um, but yeah, I know so many people have found running this year because gyms shut, gym you know, exercise classes stopped. They were like at home all day and you were only allowed to leave to exercise for a while in the UK. So they were like, well, that's if, if all I can do is exercise, then I might as well go out and try this thing that other people love. So I've been really happy to see so many people that I know and that I don't know start running. And I feel like there are so many runners around me now, which is amazing to see. Did people, did a lot of people ask you about how to get started? Yeah, quite a few. I think, I think a lot of people are quite still quite embarrassed when they start running and they, you know, I, I've tried to encourage some of our, my colleagues at work and they're like, oh no, I can't run with you because I'm too slow. And I feel like a lot of people that I know have not told me that they've started running until <laughs> they've, oh, I've, now I can run 5k. And I'm like, oh, I wish I'd known that you were even starting. Like, I love chatting about it. So I think it's still something that people are like, oh, I'm not a runner. I don't, I'm not, I can't run with you. I'm not fast. So I, I think that people share it more when they have accomplished their, you know, 5K or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun to see people getting into it. Um, and yeah, I can, <laughs> I can definitely relate to the, um, okay, what else do I do? Okay, I'll just train more. I, yeah. That was basically how I got through July. And I, I looked at my training hours in July and um, a friend was like, what are you doing? Like training for an Ironman? It was it was like ridiculous um, and definitely not sustainable, but it was the ex- exactly what you said. Like, wow, what else am I going to do? I wasn't seeing friends. I wasn't, you know, there was nothing going on. Yeah. So it was like, sure, I'll go for another run or I'll go for another bike ride. Was this when you were up in, I don't know, Cape, Cape, the Cape? Cape, Cape God, Cape? yeah, with yeah. my parents. So, so like the roads and trails were perfect. So I was just like taking advantage of, of what was around me. I very much enjoyed and felt jealous watching your stories. And you'd be like, oh, I've just got a lobster roll at the end of my bike ride. And I'd be like, hmm, let me look at this sandwich that I brought for lunch. Like <laughs> the best, the best, uh, activity I did all summer was I did a um, 70 mile ride and I had a lobster roll at, at um, like 55 and it, it didn't feel good <laughs> by the end, but it was, it was absolutely worth it. Um, it was a, it was a lovely lobster roll. Um, anyways. Um, so you are, you are a, a podcaster, a uh, a writer you have a book out that is uh i think at its one year official anniversary yep today or recently um which is exciting and and you did that book launch um down in atlanta so talk to me about how you got into um into that area and you also have a a healthy um in terms of size instagram that you talk about running and nutrition and um, all sorts of great information gets posted on there. So how did how did all of that um, evolve over time? Yeah, so my blog is what started it all off. And that was 
there was two two reasons why I started the blog. Firstly, to try and get my friends and family to sponsor me for my first marathon. <laughs> and secondly, to get a job at a magazine because I had no writing experience and no one would give me any writing experience. So I was like, cool, people are blogging. And, I'll and just, what, what year was this? Uh, 2010, 2011. Um, and yeah, so I started got the job at the magazine um, and kept writing as a way of keeping myself accountable after I finished my first marathon. And that kind of just grew. I mean, I'm sure it was just my mum reading for a a number of years. But um, yeah, I got an Instagram because I was told that if you have a blog, you have to have an Instagram. And again, that kind of just grew. And then the book was... I randomly posted a photo of me holding Shalane Flanagan's book um, because I was in Portland and I'd managed to get a copy of it at the local bookstore there and it wasn't out in the UK yet and I was like so excited for this and a publishing house in the UK got in contact being like hey do you want to do something but a British version and I was like yep I would love to so yeah it's all well, been a cool. bit of a strange roller coaster over the years and never set out for it to to be this but I'm really glad you know about what it's turned into that's super cool um so I'm sure you were hoping to do a whole uh book launch tour and and that that uh that journey may have started and ended in Atlanta but (laughs) um, are you are you planning that for 2021 um I'm not planning anything partly because um (laughs) I mean or hoping for yeah I'd love there to be something um but the UK numbers are terrifying right now and with my job we had all of our leave cancelled the first you know the first four months of last year basically after Atlanta so I just I'm I'm not really planning anything it'll be like quite last minute if I do anything and if you know if races go ahead then I'll be like cool I'll come to you know my husband's a pilot so I get perks and I'd be like I'm coming to New York for a week for the race weekend let's do something um so I'm kind of taking I I cannot I don't want to be disappointed so I'm just being like if it happens amazing and if it's not meant to then I'm also disappointed but fine that makes sense yeah set the set the bar low yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully we're able to get back to some some semblance of racing and normalcy uh, at some point next year. So, yeah, um, I hope keep so. Our, keep our fingers crossed. Um, what are some What are some goals you have for for running uh, in the next couple of years, or do do you have goals for running in the next? Yes. Couple of years? I mean, my goal hasn't changed. My goal is still to get a BQ and that's been my goal for a couple of years and I feel like right now I'm further away than I ever have been time wise but mentally I am like I'm ready to be kind of all in for this so yeah I I my big goal there's not a date on it I think that's the first this is the first time I haven't put a date normally I have like a race on my calendar that I'm like I'm gonna go for it and I'm just gonna see how training goes do a very big base building do you know I'd like to get my 5k time down and then see when I'm ready to kind of go for it basically what is it about the the BQ um so I've been lucky enough to run the Boston Marathon with a sponsor and I loved it but part of me was like I need to earn this bib I need to get back here with my qualifying time and feel like I am I like feel like I am a part of the Boston Marathon in a different way and I mean hats off to the amazing charity runners they do an incredible job and but I feel like for me I want to be back there on that start line with my bib that I've earned and and also it's this like from I, I, when I started running, I was I never thought I would be in inverted commas fast, and to have seen me be able to get my time down 
from a 454 to a 338, I'm like, I, I don't feel like that it's unattainable, but it's a big challenge. So part of me, it's like, I need there to be this, right, this is the goal. Otherwise, it feels kind of like an arbitrary time. So I quite like that there's a, this is what you're going for and this is why. Yeah, I love that. Um, I've run Boston twice. And the first time was an invitational from a sponsor. And the second time was a charity bib from my ex-girlfriend at the time or my girlfriend at the time. And I registered my name. I was very official. I was actually trying to BQ officially in that race. Um, and I ran a 401 on that day. But I I feel you on the like, that's why I want to do it, too. Like I've tasted I've tasted it. Mm-hmm. But it, and I know I know what it tastes like. But there's something else I want. And they're like, I want that. Like I stood here and I put my I put thousands and thousands and thousands of miles in to yeah. get here. And then the race is a celebration. And exactly. it's, you know, we've we've run we both run it so we know, you know, the the crescendo of of excitement as you get closer and closer to, to Boylston Street. Um yeah, I'm getting chills just talking about it. Like <laughs> Um, that's actually yes. where we first met is on yeah 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 like a random Mexican finish line yeah yes I was like wait a minute I recognize that voice and um I I forget who you who you were there with but I we'd actually the last like 17 miles of the course and we were like remind me again why we want to qualify because it's it's a hard course, but yeah, you're right. There's like, I, I want it to be a victory lap. I, when I get my BQ time, I'm saying this, like I'm getting it. I That's want to the way run, to talk about it. Yeah. I want to run the race as just absorb every moment and not be yeah. going for a time when I run it. I'll just be like, I'm all in, like soak up the atmosphere, take all the photos, high five, get you know, hopefully we'll be hugging and kissing <laughs> and all sorts by then. Um, so yeah. yeah, the kissing is the kissing is a thing in that race. Yeah, there's for those that haven't haven't run it or don't know, it's the um, what what is it called the the mile of no the Wellesley College Screen yeah. Tunnel. That's it. It's yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I remember seeing you and Kindle there, and I, I was like, wait a minute, I recognize uh, I recognize those faces. Um, it's just so funny how in such a, such a city, you know, the, it, it's just so small. Um, yeah, I, so I, when I ran in 2015, I had just run a marathon like six weeks prior and I went into it with no expectations besides like, I, I must have as much fun as possible. And that's the goal. I didn't look at my watch until mile 25 and I woke up the next day with sore biceps and triceps from, <laughs> from fist pumping, like all the way from mile 23 to the finish line. I like very, very, like my legs were not sore, but my, my, my arms were like trashed. It was hilarious. So that's the way that. to do it. That is definitely the way to do it. Um, so what do you think you'll, you'll be thinking of when you stand on that start line? I, yeah, I think like you said, all of the thousands of miles, all the effort, the hard work, the community around what it, you know what it takes to get someone to a marathon start line, um, and I, I think it'll be quite overwhelming. I feel like it'll it will be like no other start line because I'm hoping there won't be nerves because it'll just be totally for fun whereas normally I stand on the start line like oh am I going to be able to finish this what time am I going to get how much is this going to hurt whereas I'm you know I'm hoping to stand on that start line and just be like this is however many years and miles of work and this is the party yes I like I can't wait (laughs) I feel like Um, like I I'm I need to remember that that in my head when I, you know, when it's cold, when it's dark, when yeah. it's wet and you're like, get out of bed, that moment is going to be worth it. Yeah, that's the carrot that that keeps people going. And the cool thing is when you hit your goal, you can have that carrot over and over and over mm-hmm. again. So it's not like it's not like the the time 
on the clock is the goal. It's this ever evolving goalpost that's like standing on that line is the reward and is the celebration and is the goalpost. But Mm -hmm. what you do after that doesn't matter at all. I think it's powerful when you can when you can get to that. It took me four years to to get to that. Um, I stood on the start line in Providence last year, and it was cool and rainy. And um, I stood on the start line, and I couldn't stop smiling. And I was like, "This is my day. Like I, this is a celebration. I hadn't raced a marathon in I think twenty five months, and." Uh, I, and I ran my time, and it was it was a celebration. Um, Sadly, that wasn't fast enough to get me into Boston despite running sub three. So we'll have to do it again. But you just get to do that that again. Like that's the the fun of it, isn't it? The fun and the heartbreak is that right. you, yeah, you get to do it again. And I remember so clearly your your like the photos with your dad and like it, it just being such a special day for you. And I think it was not that long before I ran my marathon. And I remember you messaging me. Um, being like, I was, I, I actually remember this so clearly. I was like sitting in a bath in Edinburgh and you messaged me being like, uh, something like, you know, let it rip or go for it or something. And I just was like, right, I'm giving it everything tomorrow. <laughs> so um, the power of social media, of seeing somebody else achieve their goal is so motivating and inspiring for me personally. Like I, I think that I draw so much energy from this running community on Instagram. It's, you know, especially at the moment where we can't see other people very much. Right. Yeah. Having done their run already and you're like, oh, I can get up and go and do mine. <laughs> we we have the advantage here where you're a few hours ahead. So if we see your we see your runs every day while we're, you know, just getting out of bed. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Um it's the it's the like, oh that person's doing it. Oh that person's doing it. Oh and it's that like it's that healthy, I don't want to say comparison, but um, it's a healthy motivation that mm-hmm. somebody else is is putting in the work and getting getting it done. And look, it's working. Um, and then on the like talking with friends on Instagram front, it's like I've talked I talk to my like running friends across the country more frequently than I see my friends that live you know less than a mile from me. Um, more so now than ever before. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely powerful and and it's cool it's cool to watch somebody's training evolve um, through many many kudos along the way. Yeah, definitely. So you also host a podcast. Where did that come from? Yeah, so that was a I love listening to podcasts and I like talking a lot, and so um, that's a good combo for podcasting. Yeah. It, it came as a kind of, I was like, well, what do I want to hear? And what do I want to talk about? And I asked on Instagram and people were like, let's talk about nutrition because there wasn't, people, I guess, were like, there's not a lot of um, quality information about nutrition for runners out there and digestible because yes, there's a lot of information online, but it's hard to kind of, you know, sift through it all. So it started out with just just talking with registered dietitian and uh, registered nutritionists about nutrition for runners and kind of developed from there. I had a friend that was, you know, in the army and she became an ultra runner and she had won this polar marathon, ultra marathon. And I was like, cool, you know, this is a girl I went to school with and played hockey with and we both hated running on the athletics pitch. So let me chat with her. And it did really well. And people in, it turns out like to hear not just about elite runners, but about everyday runners that are doing incredible things alongside their jobs, their careers, their marriages, their kids, their dogs, that sort of thing. That's super cool. Um, and what's, what is, or how has it been going for you? I mean, it's so much more work than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> Hats off to everybody that has a podcast. I, yeah, I I really enjoy it, but yeah, it's a lot more work than I thought it would be. Um, I'm turns out I'm much better at like sitting down on my computer and typing stuff while I'm watching TV in the evening after I get back from work than like researching and then chatting and then organizing. I have to admit I don't edit the podcast myself because that would take me hours and hours and hours, and it would probably be terrible. 
So yeah, I um I'm really enjoying it, but it's definitely definitely a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's one of those like labor of love things that um I didn't know how much work it would be and it sort of varies in the amount of work that each episode is, but um sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's not very much, but it's it's so cool to hear people enjoying the podcast and hear people enjoying what what we're putting out um so hopefully uh hopefully you get some nice feedback on it as well yeah i mean that is the best and knowing that you have you know kind of kept somebody company on their run um i love hearing that and that you inspired or motivated or just get passed on some information you know something that was helpful for someone and I feel like maybe people, you know, sometimes you think an episode's going to do really well and it doesn't, but then sometimes an episode you're like, oh, okay, I like this one, does really well. And I think that it's really nice to to kind of understand what resonates with people because you do get more feedback on a podcast, I think, than you do on like a blog post perhaps. Yeah, and and to your point, it is fascinating that sometimes, you know, the super big name guests don't have a huge um, uh, number of listens and and the people that aren't quite as famous do um, so it's yeah. uh, feels like word of mouth is is definitely powerful for for episodes like that definitely so if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it please share it <laughs> and don't yeah subscribe and go and check out my podcast cook eat run little plug cook eat run <laughs> yeah um, awesome. So switching gears a little bit, what do you know now about running that you wish you knew when you started? I mean, I'm kind of glad I didn't know that it does. It doesn't get easier because you just, your goals change, you get faster, you push harder, you go longer. So I'm kind of glad that I didn't know that it doesn't get easier, but I wish I'd known I wish I'd known when I very first started about the community and that running with others is it it's not scary it is amazing and will help you so much in terms of your speed your knowledge your motivation your education around running um so I wish I'd you know pushed myself to be a bit braver about to go and join a group earlier um and about fueling. Oh my goodness. My first marathon, I ate like some, do you have Haribo in the, in the US? Yeah. 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 I basically ate some Haribo and called it a day and thought that was enough. And I crashed so hard um, at like mile 20. So I wish I'd known how to fuel. It's a pretty popular um, ultra fuel. Yeah, but they probably don't just have a small handful <laughs> thing that that's fine <laughs> yes probably true um and i uh i think this might be the last question but what do you what do you wish people knew about you um that's a really good question i wish people knew how I guess how scared I am to do everything, but I'm like, right, I'm going to do it anyway. I, I was scared. I didn't start my podcast for ages because I was terrified that no one would listen. I, it took me like absolutely ages to even consider doing a book event because I was so scared that no one would come. And that's why I was so grateful for you and to Amanda for doing it. Um, you know, for putting putting on an event and letting me kind of crash and be like, I'll be part of this too. <laughs> because I think that so many people are crippled by their fears of what, what happens if no one listens? What happens if no one comes? What happens if this doesn't work? And it's something that I feel like I have to, you know, have this internal conversation every day and be like, what is the worst that would happen? Okay. And, well, what is the worst that would happen? Yeah, that no one came. I hosted a brunch with one of my friends back in 20, I, I think it was 2014 or 2015, and no one came. And we still had a really nice brunch. And then we got Froyo and we were sad, but it was fine. And then the next year, 30 people came. And the next year, 40 people came. And I was like, okay, 
you know, the worst happened and we got over it and we did it again and it wasn't that bad. Um, so I think that sometimes maybe online it comes across like I'm really confident and that, you know, things just happen, but actually a, a lot of hard work and be a lot of internal deliberation goes on behind the scenes. That's awesome. Uh, and thank you for sharing that. I think that's, um, that can be said for everyone that yeah. we all have, we all have all this crap going on and, um, we just see, we just see, you know, the forward facing version of, uh, of everybody. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, it's a good thing to remember when you see people succeeding that you're like, right. well, why not me? What what have they kind of done to achieve that? And what can I do if I want to achieve something, you know, my own goals? What do I need to, do I need to just get out of my own way sometimes? Do I need to get out of my own head sometimes and just do it? Yeah, sometimes it's just putting one foot in front of the other and, and seeing what happens next. Yeah. That's that awesome. is the, my my main goal for 2021. Put, <laughs> just start, start. Put, just start. Yeah, I love that's it. it. That's it. Cool. Well, um, thank you so much for taking some time to chat, and hopefully we can uh, we can see each other. Um, maybe not in a church in Atlanta, but somewhere <laughs> somewhere on the road at a race at some point soon. So, uh, hope to see you out there again soon. I feel like you need a trip to the London Marathon. I know. I would love that. I keep I keep applying, and I keep getting rejected. So maybe I'll just need to. There is a way to to run your way in, right? I, I don't think for an international. It's like, uh, yeah. So, oh gosh, sorry. Um, yeah, it's a. We've got a qualifying, like a good for age qualifying time, which is pretty lenient. Um, but it, I think, is only for British nationals. Got it. Well, I'll keep applying and keep getting rejected, but at some point, I <laughs> I got to get over there. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and uh, and see you out there. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.